Hello and welcome to another School of Surgery podcast which today comes all the way from Boston, Massachusetts. I'll be talking to Dr Ali Tavakoli, a bariatric surgeon here at the Brigham and Women's Hospital and Associate Professor of Surgery at Harvard Medical School about morbid obesity and our discussion will be linked to the ISCP general surgery curriculum objectives. So without further ado I would like to start by thanking Dr Tavakoli for joining us today. Thank you for having me and the invitation. <laughs> okay, so uh, let's start things off by defining some learning objectives for this podcast. Broadly, we will be discussing surgical treatment options for these patients and the indications for them, early and late complications following surgical intervention, how these complications tend to present and what the potential management options are, and long-term management of these patients postoperatively. Um, so, Dr. Tavakoli, could you start by telling us a bit about your elective patient cohort and maybe the pathway that they take from when they attend for their first clinic appointment? Um, sure. Well, uh, thanks again for the uh, invitation and having me here. The patients that we usually see in clinic have already tried uh, lifestyle changes for a long period of time and have been unsuccessful in maintaining durable um, and significant weight loss. Uh, they're referred to us usually by their uh, primary care doctors and uh, general practitioners uh, and they may have heard about our program specifically through friends or colleagues. Uh, the, by the time we see them, they usually uh, meet the surgical criteria, which is a BMI greater than 40 or a BMI between 35 and 40 with obesity-related comorbidities and specifically that includes hypertension, diabetes, uh, or sleep apnea. And then they start a kind of a preoperative process that uh, initiates with an uh, information session that the patient has to attend. So this is usually about a 90 minutes to a two-hour session uh, in which the patients come. Uh, the sessions are run by a surgeon, a dietitian, and also a patient care coordinator. During this session, we talk to patients about the surgical options that are available, risk and complications, and benefits of each over the other. Um, the dietitian talks to them about the impact of surgery on food intake in the short term and long term after surgery. And then we also have a patient coordinator that talks to them about uh, you know, um, insurance approval issues that we have to deal with in the U.S., I guess, um, and uh, the timeline of how long it takes to go through the uh, process. Okay, that's great. Thank you. Um, and um, if uh, these patients have attended this information step and they're still um, interested to um, hear about the surgical procedures and go ahead, what, what's next for them? How do we move this forward for them? So after the information session, if the patients remain in, uh, interested in pursuing surgical options, then they make an appointment and they're seen by uh, the surgical team. They're also seen by our dietitian and they're also seen by a psychiatrist or a psychologist. Now, the surgical evaluation is based on, uh, you know, obtaining a detailed past medical history, assessing their surgical risks in terms of cardiovascular and pulmonary issues, 
um, the dietitian visits, and they typically see the dietitian at least twice, sometimes three times before surgery, really focuses on uh, educating them about what the perioperative diet, so this is diet in the first few weeks after surgery, is like, preparing them um, for this to make sure that the patients have the right shakes and the protein supplements at home available to uh, uh, use after the operation. Um, and then we also, their patients are also seen by the psychologist. And, you know, obviously the two purposes for this. One is to make sure that the, the patients don't have a deep eating disorder that has been missed by the surgical or dietary assessment. Mm -hmm. yeah. But frankly, the number of patients who have this diet, uh, eating disorders are very small. And the main objective of this preoperative evaluation is really to make sure that the patients have the tools and uh, uh, support needed to go through the surgery, but also deal with changes that occurs after the operation. So after surgery, I mean, other than people losing a lot of weight, you know, uh, often personal relationships with partners, with friends, mm -hmm. relationships at work uh, change. People may get promoted. People, um, you know, sometimes get better jobs. They go out more. They're exercising more. And so all of this affects um, relationships that they have already formed. And most of these changes are good changes, but nevertheless, even good can be stressful and we want to make sure that they have the support available and the psychologist that they see is also available to them for after surgery to meet as needed basis. No, that's great. That's, that's really interesting actually to consider that. Um, so moving on to the surgical options available to these patients, I think most of us will have heard about procedures such as gastric bands, gastric sleeves, gastric bypass, um, but could you tell us a little bit more about each procedure and when a particular option might be favourable? Sure. So uh, let me by, start by giving a brief description of those uh, three operations to mention because they are certainly the most uh, common operations that are performed in the US, I think in the UK and also worldwide. So the lap band, this is the laparoscopic procedure that involves placing uh, five to six small incision, port site incisions in the upper part of the abdomen. Uh, the surgery involves placing a ring which is made out of silicone along the upper part of the stomach, uh, securing it in place by imbricating the stomach over the band and then attaching the band to a subcutaneous port um, which is used to fill the band with saline. The fills starts about six weeks after the surgery and um, there by in, by filling the band with this liquid, it helps control hunger and provide restriction, thus limiting the amount of food people take in and uh, uh, thus they can achieve weight loss. Um, and is that something that's still done regularly here or not so? <clears throat> so much so, yeah. So until about three or four years ago, about 40% of the surgical volume that was done in our institution and also nationally uh, was the lap band. During this um, three or past three or four years, the band, however, has declined in popularity. And there are several reasons for that. One, the, band, the weight loss that was achieved with the band was not great. So uh, the average weight loss was 40 to 45% of an individual's excess weight. But the weight loss was unpredictable. 
the weight loss was slow, and about 15 to 20% of patients ultimately didn't lose much weight with a band and requested to be converted to another procedure. Okay. Uh, also, the device itself led to some complications, such as band erosion and band slippage, and that often required further surgery to deal with. And as a result, during this timeline, the band has decreased in popularity, so Currently, less than 2 or 3% of our surgical volume uh, at the Brigham is actually lap band. And the two surgeries that are um, more popular are the gastric bypass and the uh, sleeve gastrectomy. Okay. So, um, talking about the gastric bypass, that's kind of been regarded as the gold standard procedure and the operation that we've been uh, performing uh, for the longest period. Uh, we've been actually doing gastric bypasses for nearly 40 years or so. It used to be done as an open operation, but for the past 10 to 15 years, it's really uh, changed and nowadays most, if not all, of these surgeries are done laparoscopic. The surgery involves making, again, five to six port incisions in the upper part of the abdomen, uh, going in and uh, stapling the stomach to create a new stomach or a pouch, which is about the size of an egg or th about 30 cc's. We then divide the intestine uh, about 40 to 60 centimeters distal to the ligament of trites and bring that loop of jejunum and suture it to the uh, newly created gastric pouch. And as a result of this surgery, when you eat, after you eat, food enters this small gastric pouch and then it passes through the rulum into the distal small bowel. And in doing so, we're bypassing the majority of the stomach the duodenum and the first part of the jejunum. Okay, and then the gastric sleeve or the sleeve gastrectomy? Yep. So that uh, procedure is a, again a laparoscopic procedure. It's been around for about 10 years, but it's, re it's gained popularity in the last um, three or four years. Uh, it's a laparoscopic procedure that involves, again, five to six port side incisions. We go in and in here, we resect the, about 80 to 90% of the stomach, leaving a stomach that's based along the lesser curve that is about the size and shape of a banana. Uh, this, when you compare the gastric bypass and the sleeve, the, you know, other than the surgical differences we just reviewed, um, you know, the sleeve gastrectomy takes about uh, an hour, plus or minus 15 minutes to perform. Um, the patients are typically in hospital for one to two days. Uh, the gastric bypass surgery typically takes about an hour and a half to two hours to perform. Patients are in hospital for two days. Um, now, the risks of gastric bypass surgery, as you can imagine, are greater because it's a more complex procedure. So the risk of death or a serious complication is about a 1 in a 500 or a 0.2%. Uh, those risks for a sleeve are a little bit less, about a 1 in 1,000 to 1 in 500 patients, so 0.1 to 0.2%. Um, on, the, on the flip side, however, the weight loss with the uh, gastric bypass surgery tends to be more. So on average, people lose 60 to 70% of their excess weight two years after surgery. That weight loss is around 50 to 60% for um, the sleeve gastrectomy. Okay, and um, in terms of the sleeve and bypass then, um, how might you come to a decision about uh, which procedure might be uh, more useful for a patient? Is it patient 
choice driven or uh, are there other factors that come in to, to determine which, which procedure you go for? Sure. Uh, so <clears throat> the decision is usually made by the, uh, by the patient. During the surgical consultation, uh, they, on rare cases, there may be contraindications for a patient to have a, a particular surgery. So uh, let's say if uh, they, they have, uh, have had multiple uh, small bowel operations or uh, some, um, we, we may encourage them to go for a sleeve gastrectomy to avoid the adhes adhesions in, that involve the small bowel. But in general, it's a patient-driven decision. And the factors that help the patient make a choice is obviously the risks of the surgery, the degree of weight loss, and what, how much they would like to lose and, uh, and weight ultimately. And the third factor that's uh, often uh, important is the metabolic benefits that they're going to uh, achieve from surgery. So although the focus for our bariatric interventions have always been weight loss and that's obviously very important it is uh, critical to remember that this these surgeries also lead to significant improvements in health and resolution of many metabolic derangements such as diabetes hypertension and sleep apnea and um the the uh, effect the metabolic benefits and especially the anti-diabetic effects of surgery tend to be better with a bypass compared to the sleeve. I mean both are good, but for patients who have had long-standing diabetes, maybe on insulin, um, the the uh, bypass tends to be better. And these factors are all kind of taken into, into account when patients make their final decision about the uh, intervention they want to have. Great, great, thank you. We hope you enjoyed that podcast. Part 2 talks about early and late complications of surgery, their presentation and management, and also long-term management after surgery for patients undergoing bariatric surgery. You can like us on Facebook, subscribe at podomatic.com, view us on YouTube, or subscribe to our podcast through iTunes. See you next time at School of Surgery.